from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Work and Life on Business Radio. Welcome to Work and Life. So glad you're here. Listening in on our conversation in which we explore everything from uh, your life and your work that uh, means something to you. It's about how to find harmony among the different parts of life. I am your host, Stu Friedman. I'm the founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and of the Wharton Leadership Program. Now I spend most of my time running a management consulting and training company. It's called Total Leadership. Visit TotalLeadership.org for information on what we do to help people find harmony and improve performance in all the different parts of life. It is possible, folks. You can find at TotalLeadership.org um, free courses. Uh, there's an audio course now called Four Way Wins through Himalaya.com. There's a course on LinkedIn and one on Coursera. It's free videos, chapters from my books. Check it out. You can hear new episodes of this show every Monday at noon Eastern time on Sirius XM channel 132. And you can follow us on Twitter at SXM Business as well as I'm at Stu Friedman. Well, as we have discussed many times on this show, the United States is one of the few developed countries, certainly the richest, with no guaranteed paid parental leave policy on a national level. Advocates, including myself and today's guest, show in various writings and research that it improves the well-being of parents, of children, and there's an economic, an economic argument as well. There are studies that show how parental leave, paid parental leave, increases women's participation in the workforce, reduces gender pay gaps. What we're going to be focusing on today is whether or not we get to a national uh, paid leave policy um, or your company has one or not. There are things you need to know to successfully navigate your time away if you're a parent or if you're somebody managing a working parent or loved one who, who is in your family or is a friend of yours. This is a brave new world that we're all just trying to figure out how to navigate. And my guest today, Dr. Amy Beacom, is an expert who has a lot of useful knowledge to share on this topic. She's the founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership which is the first consultancy in the United States to focus exclusively on parental leave. Amy, welcome to Work and Life. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Stu. It's well, it's great to have you here. Let, let, me, uh, let me tell people a little bit more about you. We're going to be talking about your, your wonderful book. It's recently published. Uh, it's called The Parental Leave Playbook, 10 Touchpoints to Transition Smoothly, Strengthen Your Family, and Continue Growing Your Career. You are a recognized uh, expert in the United States as someone who um, has done research and knows a lot about the personal and professional interplay on parental leave for both employers and employees. Uh, Dr. Amy Beacom appears regularly on expert panels, conferences, lots of podcasts, but not this one yet. <laughs> uh, this is a first. Uh, she's been quoted um, regularly in business media, and in the larger media landscape with the New York Times, Washington Post, Working Mother, Amy created the first evidence-based parental leave transition coaching model. And that's really what we're going to be focusing on today, which um, 
It is the basis for what her consulting firm does. She's trained and supervised parental leave coaches, both in the United States and Australia. And the manager-focused training program she created can be found in over 80 countries around the world. So, Amy, <laughs> um, so much to learn from, from you. For anyone listening who, who doesn't really understand the importance of parental leave, for working parents, for child development, for our current and future workforce. Um, can you just briefly explain why taking leave successfully is both a societal and a business imperative? Mm, yeah, I loved it. <laughs> I loved you. Um, for me, it is the richest, most ripe time in a person's personal life, in their professional life cycle that we can have an intervention or a support come into play that will impact all across their lives, but also across the lives of their family, their team members, their managers, and ultimately our entire culture. Um, it's just this moment when they're open. So it's like chaos brings opportunity. <laughs> There's nothing more chaotic than this time in most people's life, in the working mm -hmm. parent's life. Um, and with that comes opportunity for our companies in our country. So when you say out of the chaos of the early years of, of parenting, and then later, as it gets even more complicated and chaotic as mm -hmm. children grow, uh, and of course, it never stops. You know, mm -hmm. my kids are in their late 20s, early 30s. St I'm still going as a parent. Mm -hmm. Now as a grandparent, I'm happy to say, wait, did you say you wanted to hear about my grandchildren? And you want to see- Of course pictures? I no? do. I want to <laughs> We might get to that. Um, but you, you, you know, when you say out of chaos comes opportunity, mm -hmm. what sort of opportunity are you referring to there? So right now, the way we do parental leave, the way we think about parental leave, the way we talk about parental leave in our country is, is harmful. It's traumatic for most harmful. people who are going through it. Um, and so what we do and what I've spent the last 15 years trying to improve is how we interact around that time. So what I mean by in chaos comes opportunity, we have an entire country of moms and dads and managers and team members who are floundering, who are being traumatized by this time instead of us doing it well and doing it with love and thought and intelligence we are failing our country around this. And if we can turn that around, and I believe we can very easily with simple things, um, mm -hmm. then we are removing that trauma and we're replacing it with a foundation of strength, support, um, development, skill building. You know, there's an entire world that opens up when that, that time that starts those families it starts that working parent's entire career. Before that, they're not a working parent, right? It's this very important moment. Mm -hmm. and, it, and, I, and I should just also clarify, it's not just the moment of when that child comes. When I talk about parental leave, I talk about it as the parental leave transition. And that spans roughly a year of time in the U.S. Mm -hmm. you know, that time of preparing for leave, during leave, and then importantly, returning from leave. Yes. And that's um, how your, your very helpful book is, is organized. When you say trauma, 
what, mm-hmm. what are you referring to there? And, and of course, I am in 100% agreement with your analysis mm-hmm. and your assessment and your cri de coeur, your, your cry <laughs> for like, why, why can't right. we get this right? Well, we can if we have the will and the intelligence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even if we can't get a, a national policy across, there's a lot of creative things happening in social policy at the, yep. at the state and municipal levels. But here we're talking about you know, the moms, the dads, the employers, the, yeah. the co-workers. Um, and we could I, spend the entire time, you know, just railing about like how, how, how backwards we are as a nation in terms of our, our inability to invest in children uh, and their, their caregivers. But let's, let's stick for the moment with this question of the trauma that's too often mm-hmm. experienced. What, what are you referring to there? Um, so this is not just for moms, it's for dads as well. Um, and what we see happen over and over is they're having an internal experience that is the most transformative one of their life. And that is something that is not welcome in their work. It's not, it's not embraced as something to be talked about, to be harnessed as this opportunity I'm talking about for, for growth, for inner growth, for personal growth, for spiritual growth, all of these pieces are Mm -hmm. moving in this moment for that person. And what we do in our country is we say, okay, give us your work, go away, have your child, go do this alone and come back exactly how you were. And so that entire timeframe, they are, um, they don't get to bring any of that back into work. So that's one piece of the trauma. There's another piece of the trauma that gets compounded in this country around perinatal mental health, so mood and anxiety disorders. There's infant loss, there's miscarriage, there's um, so many complications that can happen during this time that everyone experiences differently. Also things that we don't talk about enough and we don't welcome into conversations in our work world. Mm -hmm. The um, one in seven new moms to one in one in seven new moms will experience a perinatal motor anxiety disorder within the first three months of giving birth or during pregnancy that that increases to one in five in the first year dads are one in 10. So we don't talk about that. And what happens then is you have those parents suffering when they don't need to be. So we, we created the, as part of our programs, we have the first perinatal mood and anxiety disorder screening to be used in a workplace setting. And the reason we do that is because in our country, 25% of our employees go back to work within two weeks of giving birth. And 70% of our dads have less than 10 days of leave in this country. So Mm -hmm. any of that propensity towards depression, anxiety, stress, any of those things that might be normal part of the baby blues or that would happen at this time as you're struggling to figure out your new ground under you um, is compounded because we don't have conversations about it. We send people back to work and then that can turn into full-blown perinatal mood and anxiety disorder, depression, OCD, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, that's just one piece of the trauma that we try to support. But it, oh, sorry. No, please continue your your further thought. Well, we also are traumatizing the managers and the team at work by not providing Mm -hmm. a process that is clear and replicable by not training people in what their organization 
wants them to be communicating during this time, wants them to be doing, not giving them permission to talk about these things. In the absence of that, we've created a culture of fear where it's all about, am I going to step in it? Am I going to say something to spark a gender discrimination lawsuit or a pregnancy Mm -hmm. lawsuit? Mm -hmm. Um, And so they say nothing at all, which is the absolute opposite of what's needed at this time. It's a deepening of communication and trust that can happen if done well. Let me remind listeners, this is Work and Life on Business Radio, Sirius XM Channel 132. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. My guest today is Dr. Amy Beacom, who's the founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. And we're talking about her really powerful and practical recent book. It's called The Parental Leave Playbook. So if you are approaching uh, or in the middle of or just out of a a parental leave yourself or trying to help someone else who is uh, about to undertake that or in the midst of it, uh, it's a really useful resource, The Parental Leave Playbook. All right. So... Let's let's continue uh, uh, speaking, if we can, Amy, about uh, what you know your coworkers, your colleagues, or your clients, or whomever. How do you help them? Because it is um, not exactly taboo, but it's it's a it's a very dicey set of conversations because it's so personal. And you know, where are those boundary lines? Um, what is it that you do in summary before we get into like what working parents need to think about before, during, mm-hmm. and after mm-hmm. from the perspective of the employer, what's the most important thing that you convey in your training and in your coaching? Um, well, those are, I'm hearing two different questions there. One is about yeah. the employer. So what can a company do? What can leadership within that company do? Yes. Um, and that is offer training, (laughs) have a clear policy. And then after you have a clear gender neutral, full pay, minimum 12 week policy, then offer focus, start focusing on the practice. A policy is only as good as its Mm -hmm. practice, right? As how it's put into practice. And so um, what I, one of the things that is important for companies to understand is when you train managers in how to make what we call make leave manageable. Mm -hmm. Um, You're also training them in how to be better managers. So there's, it's just nothing that we're teaching or we're talking about is solely exclusively about parental leave. These Mm -hmm. are just, it's just a moment where these behaviors, man, family supportive supervisory behaviors, um, different work life behaviors can be taught to managers because Can you give an example of what you, what you see most frequently or you find most helpful in the training that you do for managers and coworkers to help them be the kind of supportive uh, person that a working parent benefits from and thereby, uh, you know, their children and the, and their employer and clients and everybody else around them benefits from. Yeah. You know, nobody's asked me that question. It's such a good one because it's so simple. We give them a structure. We give them a structure and then they build around that. So for example, a manager's going into a leave thinking, oh, I just need to point them to HR and HR will walk them through this. But really what we've discovered over the last 15 years of doing it is there's these, what we call in the book, these 10 touch points, these moments in that parental leave transition where that manager's interaction with that new parent has an oversized impact, either positively or negatively, depending on what they do. So the first one, for example, is announcement. 
And we do everything we do is managing. Heads up, people. These all start with A. <laughs> remember. So announcement. Yes, please. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Well, it's just the, it's the a very announce- useful uh, way to, to remember. So the, the 10 A's, the first one is announcement. What, what, is, what does a manager need to know? What does the working parent need to know? Yeah. And so what we do is we do this manager, new parent aligned training so that we're creating a common conversation, a common language, a common structure. It just becomes the way things are done. And so for announcement, for example, we're teaching that new parent, how do you lead your leave through your announcement? Where do you, when is a good time to do it? Who do you do it with? What do you need to bring to the table for it? Those kinds of things. But for the manager, we're saying, how you respond to that announcement sets the tone for this entire three-phase transition. So we're teaching them, don't look at that new parent and say, oh crap, that's the worst timing you could have possibly done. Even if uh, I'm thinking got, of it, even if, even that's if you're thinking head, it, even that's if it's probably in what I'm head. thinking. Here's okay. one of my best people. And now they're going to be gone for however many months. And we're right in the middle of a massive project. And oh my God, yep. what am I going to do? I'm yep. so angry. Exactly. That is very likely what they're thinking. And what they can do in that moment is be authentic, be authentic and say, I am so excited for you. And this is going to be tricky. How do we we're going to let's work together to figure out how to offboard your work in ways that help and can make this all work together. So it's this moment where that manager has an opportunity to connect and be a human, right? Like, be a be, human. Be a human. <laughs> I think we should just drop the mic right there, Amy. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to. We're not going to drop the mic here. There's yeah. a lot more to say. But by, by being human, you mean what exactly? I mean, say two parts of it. Acknowledge that they are going through something that to them is likely very, very exciting. And they are nervous to come to their manager because they know that manager is thinking, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I'm going to be angry with them. I'm going to subtly penalize them. They may have some unconscious bias that they do actually do that, right? Every manager, new parent relationship is unique, but there is way too many managers who have that reaction you described and I just described internally and many, many more externally. So we hear horror stories of, you know, the manager going, oh my God, what am I going to do? Get out of here. I can't talk to you about this right now. Mm -hmm. You know, those kinds of things. So if we're training our managers ahead of time, in what to expect, how to do it, where to point them to. And they just have a simple script of, all right, that's big news. Congratulations. Let's get a meeting on the calendar and figure this all out together. Mm-hmm. And then be able to point them to the right resources within that organization. When so they do that so. You're, you're approaching it as a kind of partnership. So from the perspective of the employee, you know, every mother and father expecting is different is in a different life circumstance and a different kind of relationship, who knows what different level of resources, you know, supporting them. Uh, is there an essential idea about how to approach your, your boss as you are making the announcement to them? So what would we say to the new parent? Is yeah. that what you're asking? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry yeah. if that wasn't clear. Yeah. Yes. yes. Um, it's, What we're doing with them is we're first saying, this is not something to be sheepish about. This is one of the most exciting opportunities in your professional life cycle, right? In your career, Um, how you think about it and how you structure that 
matters and makes it that opportunity. So, um, and then we walk through how to do it, right? Don't, don't talk about it around the water cooler to all of your people first and the manager hears it through the grapevine. Don't Mm -hmm. do, you know, there's don'ts and there's do's. So, you know, the do's are think through when this is, how, think through what your team needs, think through how your manager may be impacted by this, what that means for that manager's Um, how they look in the eyes of their manager, you know, all of these different things, put yourself in that other person's shoes Hmm. and approach it in ways that are going to be thoughtful for everyone involved. And, and I like the word you used a minute ago, partnership, Mm -hmm. because that's exactly what we're trying to do. We're saying this time of parental leave that historically we have thought of as a place to not partner, to shun, to not talk about in any Hmm. way is one of the manager's biggest opportunities to deepen that relationship with their employee, Mm -hmm. to create trust, to create deeper communication, to work better together. And it's like, so my background was in um, leadership and coaching and doing in the nineties, a lot of offsite leadership development programs. Um, We'd run thousands of people through these. And when I had my child, I was in New York. I was in the org psych doctoral program at Columbia University. I was consulting. I was doing, you know, all this ambitious woman stuff. And and what I experienced in becoming a parent and then going back to work was so much more than anyone was learning in these offsite programs that billions of dollars were being spent for. It was like this experiential learning on warp speed, right? (laughs) Like you had to skill up in all these areas of your life and all of these areas at work and, and just rise to it. And that rising to it forges incredible people, incredible people. And if we can give them the tools, the support, the resources to be able to rise to it and not be forced out of the workforce Um, And from dads in our country, not be forced out of the caregiving that is so rich and valuable for their development and their humanness in this world, then we are all in a better position. Absolutely. Now, so, you know, in this, you you break down into these three simple, very useful phrases before you leave, during, and when you return. So uh, other aspects of the first phase, which we first phase rather, which really focuses on work and and what's you know what this transition means for your work life you also address uh, what it means to assess to develop an action plan and to acknowledge the transition to parenthood what are some of the you know key elements of those other aspects of this first phase preparing for leave yeah so with they're they're in order here purposefully with the first uh-huh. three um so you may, you just said announcement, assess, action plan, acknowledge the transition to parenthood. Those are those first four for that first phase. And the um, action planning is what people like to jump into, right? Mm-hmm. They go right into it and they're like, okay, I'm going to, there's been an announcement, let's make the plan. And what assess in second position does is say, no, no, pause, pause, take a look around and, and assess before you leap into your action planning. And what that does, um, I created a tool called the Parental Leave Transition Assessment, which is an academically grounded 
um, assessment tool. It's the, the only one that I know of that looks at parental leave. And it's based on transition theory. And what it looks at is your situation, yourself, your strategies, your supports, and your sabotages, internal and external. Um, And then the sixth one is suggestions, which is that feedback loop back into your organization, back into helping future working parents. And so what we do in the assessment phase is assess those things. What are you bringing to this? What's your situation like? What um, looking at that individual new parent? And then we have a complementary, much shorter (laughs) version for managers who, Mm -hmm. who are looking at, you know, what, what have they What's happening in their situation? What do they need right now? And helping that manager get a little more self-awareness internally as well. Um, So that assessment leads us into that third one, which is action planning. And that's that's leave planning. And so we talk about leave planning. One One of the things I say very often is the best way to prepare for leave is to plan your return. And often people are, um, they're just thinking about leave, right? They're just like, how do I get off my work? How do I make my nursery? How do I get my baby shower list? Whatever it is. Um, but they're not setting up that vision for what their return looks like. They're not working with their man. Um, I just think we haven't done it in this country. Mm-hmm. I think we haven't done it. And it's so far, it, you know, we don't know what we don't know. So they, they could just think like, oh, I'm just going to come back. I'll figure it out when I get there. Uh, uh, exactly. Right. And who so, knows if I'm ever coming back and maybe I don't want to come back as soon as I thought I did. Or maybe I want to come back sooner because I'm really not happy being a mother at home with my kid alone all day. Or who knows what. So there is a lot of uncertainty about that return time, right? Absolutely. Which is why we very much encourage and focus on contingency planning. Um one of our, my clients was a, a military guy and I was talking to him about this whole process at one point. And he, he was like, oh, what you're talking about, because I kept saying to him, we're, we're doing these plans anyway. It's not the plans that are useful. It's talking about them that's useful. And he said, oh, um, Eisenhower had this great quote. I'm going to try and remember it and not butcher it. Um, In preparing for battle, plans are... Uh, useless, but planning is irreplaceable or you know, some word like that at the end. And it just was like, yes, exactly. <laughs> right. We can. So it's me, in. Oh, sorry. Well, I, I need to jump in here because we have to take a short break. We'll talk. We'll continue the conversation about how to develop a plan that is realistic and flexible. And, and then what you do when you're away, as well as when you eventually do return, if you do, uh, we're going to take up all those uh, important issues when we return. My guest today is Amy Beacom. She's the founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're listening to Work and Life on Business Radio. Hey, welcome back to Work and Life. Really glad you're here listening in. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. I'm the founding director of Wharton's Work-Life Integration Project and the Wharton Leadership Program. I also founded Total Leadership, which is a management consulting and training company dedicated to helping people and organizations find harmony among the different parts of life while improving performance in all of them. Yes, that's what we do. You might be skeptical, but it's real. We have a lot of evidence to show that uh, our model is indeed effective 
in many different kinds of organizations and countries around the world. Check out TotalLeadership.org. My guest today is Dr. Amy Beacom, who is founder and CEO of the Center for Parental Leave Leadership. And we're talking about her book, The Parental Leave Playbook, 10 Touchpoints to Transition Smoothly, Strengthen Your Family, and Continue Growing Your Career. If that's what you want to do, right, Amy? Um, right. Let, let's pick up where we where we left off with respect to, yes, people want to jump into planning, but you've got a, a solid method to help people step back for a minute and assess uh, the reality of their situation uh, and, and to help their bosses do the same and others in their work environment. Um, before we move to the crucial uh, second phase, which, uh, you know, during leave, when you're focusing, you know, mainly on be, being a parent, uh, <laughs> perhaps for the first time, uh, what else do you want to say about that first phase before we dive in to, uh, oh my gosh, what do I do with this human being who I'm right, now right. entirely responsible for? <laughs> um, yeah, I really like what you were saying about, however, we talk about it as, as however they define success. Everyone's success looks differently. And mm-hmm. what we're doing in that leave planning part is twofold. We're trying to help them create that future. So they have an entry door to walk into it on that Mm -hmm. return. So it's more possible that they don't fall into the trap of, oh my gosh, what do I have to value to add anymore? I don't know. Uh, You know, there's that, that whole thing happens when you don't have that plan. But the other thing that happened that you, that can happen that you touched on is sometimes people's Plans change, right? They might not come back. Someone may get ill. The baby may be um, having struggles with, you know, whatever it is. We don't know what it is. It's different for everyone. But sometimes people need to take a longer break from their careers before they come back. And so when that happens, the planning is never in vain. The goal is twofold. It's Mm -hmm. for the organization and it's for the individual. So what that gives the organization is a very, our, our leave plans are very detailed. It gives them a clear plan, a clear knowledge around that institutional knowledge that that person holds. And so it's given back. What we talk to the parents about is create this plan as if you were never coming back and as if you were coming back exactly how you want to. Hmm. So they're really doing it in a way that um, whatever the outcome, it's going to be helpful. So how does that help both the parent and, and, you know, work colleagues in this next phase, the leave itself, where the, where the main emphasis uh, is on being a parent? Well, um, all of our leave planning is done in the preparing for leave phase. So like I said, you're really thinking through this whole thing in phase two. um, One, the first touch point is appropriately keeping in touch and that, um, is a part of the leave planning. There's a keep in touch tab. And what we really encourage people to do is think through how they want to be in touch with work while they are away, if at all. And I'm not encouraging anyone to work, you know, as, as probably most of your listeners know, if you're an FMLA covered company, which 56% of employees in the US are, you it's illegal for you to work, right? You can't work. But what we've learned from other what in doing work in Australia is they have this wonderful um, part of their program because leave is longer 
that's called these keep in touch days. And the employee gets paid during their leave for a certain number of keep in touch days. And what that does over those longer leaves is it keeps that connection between work and home so that that person can re-enter more easily. And so we've taken the idea of that, the spirit of that, um, into this work here in the U.S. where we usually have shorter leaves and whatever. And it's more about giving that new parent some control over it because historically we've just said, go away, don't talk to work, focus on your baby. And for many, many people, that's more anxiety producing, right? That's more stressful. That can harm their career. They don't want that to happen. And so it's really about putting that um, choice into that parent's hands and saying, how do you want to stay in touch, if at all? Mm-hmm. And then communicating that, finding maybe a, a gatekeeper or a best friend at work who's going to be the filter to information from you. Do you want to mm-hmm. know if there's a big reorg or if there's a manager change, you know, those pieces, or do you want the, the weekly updates or, you know, for every single person, it's different, but the, what's important is to think it through and then communicate it and make an agreement with it, with your manager and team. Mm-hmm. That makes so much sense. Uh, and, you know, the, the notion of being conscious and deliberately mindful of how you want to connect with the people at work, if, if at all, mm-hmm. and to then, you know, have, have a, uh, a conversation and an ongoing conversation and negotiation about what that connection looks like and whether it's working mm-hmm. for both parties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes perfect sense. How, how do people mess this up? Which I'm sure you encounter every day. <laughs> what, what goes wrong? Uh, everything. Everything goes <laughs> well, wrong in our country. What's, what's top of mind <laughs> when I ask you that question? Um, what goes for wrong the, the, for the new parent or for the work or the manager? Well, let's, let's start with the new parent. Um, how do they mess it up? They, they usually in this country, what people do is they think they want to go back to work sooner than they actually, they, they make a commitment to go back sooner than they're actually ready. So um, that is in big part because of our short leave or short paid leave. So that makes that happen. But um, we really encourage people to undercommit. So they may say, I'm going to check in with work every Friday and give an update. Don't say that. Don't say that. Right. Like, just don't put yourself in that position. Um, because. Because then if you, 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 what you're trying to do is remain professional and well-regarded by your organization. You don't want to be having, if you can't, if you're committing to something and then not able to do it, it gives evidence to that organization that you're a flaky working parent and can't be relied upon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so let's avoid that because it's not true. Mm -hmm. Mm So under preparing uh, your colleagues uh, and not communicating honestly, uh, from the, from the beginning, that's, that's a, a, a problem that you encounter regularly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Most, and because there's no conversations around leave at all. Right. It's and, just, you and that's because away. people are afraid to talk about it because they think they're going to be seen as, uh, as somehow uncommitted or, um, not, not capable of returning with, you know, a bigger heart, a, a bigger mind, a, a broader perspective on life and a, being a better contributor to the business. Yeah. And in our country, that's mostly moms, right? That is what, what you're describing is how most moms, there's a huge cultural stereotype of working moms. It's, I mean, you, Which you remains, 
which remains. So yeah, that is a heavy, heavy burden on all of the, and an added layer of stress because there's no process that is uh, just the way we do it, right? There's So, you know. so the, the next touch point after appropriately keeping in touch, what we're just starting to talk about is advocate. What, <laughs> what, is it, what does it mean to be advocating? Well, advocating... Look, and now we get into some of the touch points that you need to really be understanding for the full, full transition. But we have it in the during leave phase because this is usually the time it becomes more alive for that person, for that new parent. So, and just on the flip side, we have it there also because we want the manager to be advocating for that new parent when they're away. So having that you know, we're always doing that new parent manager aligned training on Mm -hmm. each of these touch points. So Mm -hmm. that new parent, how do you advocate for yourself? How do you advocate for your new loved one? That may be with doctors. It may be with family. It may be telling your mother-in-law you can't have her bring any more lasagna, you know, like who knows what it is, but that finding your clarity based in your values and being able to bring that into the conversation of what you need is something that most people in this country, especially new moms, are not comfortable doing. And so helping them figure out how to do that well comes back into work with them. Not And and always with thoughtfulness of who's around you. There's a difference between advocating for what you need and saying, I'm only doing it this way. You know, there's a very big difference in that and advocating with consideration of your environment and the people in it. Yeah, that's what makes it leadership. Uh, as you know, uh, I wrote a book with Alyssa Westring called Parents Who Lead uh, that came out at the top of the pandemic, right? At the first week of the pandemic was when that book was released in March of 2020. <sighs> and, you know, that is a central idea that you got to think and act like a leader as a parent. Uh, and that means ensuring that you bring others along with you, that you share your vision of what, you know, a better tomorrow looks like and you make it. Uh, clear that you're interested in, you know, in in having the people around you succeed as well as yourself. Um, you know, I'll never forget when I first got to Ford Motor Company, where I was an executive for a few years, heading up leadership development in the late '90s, early 2000s. I had just published in the Harvard Business Review an article called "Work and Life: The End of the Zero Sum Game." It was one of the first, you know, big articles in this field that got you know uh, wide attention. Uh, enough so that the you know the the small group that I inherited at the leadership development center when I arrived, they each and every one of them came to me with a, a varying uh, list of demands about what they needed to have their lives be better. <laughs> what they Fantastic. Didn't what they didn't understand was that uh, you know that was not how the game was going to be played. Uh, it's it's got to be about how what their needs are. Uh, and, and what it mean, what it would mean for us to be helping them to meet their needs beyond work, how that would help our company, how it would help our organization, you know, part of the company, and indeed how it would help me as their manager. Yeah. Uh, so it's got to be mutual always, every step of the way. And that's where so many people fail. They come in with a list of demands like what I need is, and that's just not the way to start the conversation. Am I right, Amy? I I underscore everything you said, and I love your book. <laughs> <Parents> <laughs> <who leave. laughs> 
I wasn't fishing there. Sorry. No, but, but I do. And actually when it came out, I was in the midst of writing this book and I, my heart sunk. I was like, Oh no, he wrote the book first. Um, and <laughs> now this is different. It's different. And I was so I pleased. They because complimentary. Please I do it. too. And I, rec- and I actually recommend it to parents to help them understand the leadership cool. components of this. So thing. advocating for yourself, but also in a way that makes other people successful. Um, what do you find, you know, h- helps you to get that message across to, to parents to work who are, you know, in this phase of their, tra- of their, you know, life transition? How do you help them see that advocating yeah. means not just me, me, me? I usually ask them when they've both been most successful mm-hmm. and get, and um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, All right. Think about that for yeah, a second. I, I want to remind <laughs> listeners, this is work and life on business radio, Sirius XM 132. I'm your host, Stu Friedman. I'm talking to Dr. Amy Beacom about her great book. It's called the parental leave playbook, 10 touch points to transition smoothly, strengthen your family and continue growing your career. So how do you help people to advocate intelligently? You know, Stu, I can, I, it's in the conversation. It's yeah. in the examples. It's mm-hmm. in the modeling. Um, I can't think of one specific way. It's helping people understand that to advocate for yourself, exactly how you just said, you need to be advocating for those around you as well. well. That's and that's that's just how we do it. <laughs> That's it. But you know, it's, it's so easy to just think about what you need. And, oh, and, and it's so common. It's so common. I, I mean, it's natural. And so mm-hmm. you know, the, the leadership mindset kind of breakthrough requires that you think about others and, and not just yourself. Yeah. That's how you get support. Right. Yeah. Um, um, so, and to- so look, we only, we don't have that much more time and I do want to get to, uh, you know, arranging for return and then what it means to, now, all right, you're a working parent. How do you, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that phase. What are, mm-hmm. what are the main things you want to convey about what's in that phase to our listeners now? Um, oh, gosh. The, I think the main thing is that this contingency planning I touched on earlier, yes. <laughs> you are likely going to be using some of those plans or ones you never even thought of, and that mm-hmm. does not mean you failed. Hmm. So often people think that contingency planning is a failure is a, you know, like plan a is the only plan. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and then they just fall into a shame spiral or are too embarrassed to go Mm -hmm. back or to ask for what they need or, you know, so I think that is um, one of the most important things for the parents and for the managers to hear activating a different plan, adjusting in the moment being flexible of idea and structure Mm -hmm. is, is leadership, right? So these, these are the the opportunities to practice those skills. Um, And it's what we, we teach, what we do. Um, There was something you said a minute ago that made me think about the difference between training and learning something through some of the tools and resources we have, and then the difference with coaching. And so the, what I've found over, um, we started in 20. So in Australia, we were doing coaching that was in the early, what was it? 2013, 2014, 15. Um, and the U S wasn't ready for this yet. So doing a lot of like getting the conversations going, trying to change the language in Australia, 
they, they were ahead of it. So we did coaching there, but when we brought it into the U S it wasn't, we weren't, nobody was ready. So I brought it into Microsoft, which turned it, what we did is we took the coaching program and turned it into a training program, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating. So the learning from that was removing that individual contact, removing that coaching piece, removed a lot of the conversations and the opportunities to hold up the mirror, hold up the perspective, to challenge a manager on a certain way they might be thinking, to challenge a new parent in a certain way they may be thinking. Um, And there's just something so valuable about that coaching piece that I'm really working to try and bring that back into more of our organizations. So we've Mm -hmm. just... um, The reason also I mentioned this is when you look at the way I've written the book, there's, it's as if I'm coaching you through this in, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, coaching your hand kind of thing. And I would encourage every manager to get this if, even if they're not doing any work with a new parent, because you're getting a window into that new parent experience that most managers, if they're not a parent themselves, or if they're a male manager of certain age may not have ever had a window into. And so it's a really important um, perspective. Anyway, redirect. Well, Sorry. <laughs> well, so, so now, you know, you're making the transition, your employees making the transition back to work. Uh, mm-hmm. The touch points there are about acknowledging, Hey, this is, you know, I'm back. We're in a new phase. Uh, there's all kinds of adjustments, as you've been saying, and then accessing okay. career development. Mm-hmm. Um, what's 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 an effective way to acknowledge the transition back? Well, there's there's like the the structural practical. Don't you want that new parent to be welcomed at the door if it's a physical return to the office virtually? Mm-hmm. Figure out how to do that. You want that manager, that team to in the days of going into the office, like meet them at the door, have a coffee in your hand, have a plant on their desk, have a, you know, not have it be covered in boxes or so-and-so's taking it over your space while you're away or whatever it is Mm. that, that usually meets people when they return to work, you know, often there's, you know, like their security or their passcodes don't work anymore. All of that stuff sends a message to that new parent that they don't matter and that they should, they might as well stay home and be, not returning to work. And from the um, perspective of the working parent who's returning, what's, what's most important uh, from, from their point of view in terms of, you know, their acknowledgement of this transition and, and how they process that themselves mm-hmm. with their families mm-hmm. and then with their, their people at work. Um, I think the, the, the contingency piece is important to understand that what you thought might be different and to give yourself some grace there. I also think the a lot of little trial runs are important uh, to, and even beyond, we recommend everyone ease back in, not start back full time, but ease in to take in things, take back tasks that you really enjoy right off the bat, keep the ones you might not enjoy as much with somebody else as you're easing back in. Um, that may look like starting two days a week, then three days a week, then, you know, like something like that. Um, but the trial runs I'm talking about have to do with the home side of things. So we often think about, um, how, you know, what's it going to be like when I take my baby to daycare for the first time, that's usually what someone's thinking about is that new, new child. 
there's usually older children involved. What, what, how's that older child going to do? So trial runs allow us to time things, drive, see how long it takes to, you know, let that child go into daycare if they're going to do it at all, not have it derail your first day back. We see a lot of people who don't plan that. And then their first day back, they're running late, they're frazzled, they're, you know, they maybe can't make it at all. And it also sets up what we were talking about earlier. Like, it just looks like you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Plus you're uh, emotionally conflicted. And you're miserable. Most, like most parents yeah. thinking, wait a minute, uh, I'm, I'm no longer going to be there for, yeah. for yeah. him or her, for them. Uh, and that, oh. that one is what we don't have time to talk about, but the, the, that emotional piece of the return and leaving your child with daycare, which is incredibly hard to find. We are in a child care crisis in this country. So that's a whole nother story. It is a whole nother story. So we'll have to get you back here, Amy, to talk more about that because we are now having to wrap up. So tell, tell me and tell us uh, how can listeners find out more about your work and the uh, programming and, and consulting that you offer to help, people in your book and elsewhere? Uh, sure. I think the website's easiest. It's CPL Leadership, Center for Parental Leadership, cplleadership.com. Um, get the book. If you're a manager, get if you're in HR, put it in every welcome basket. <laughs> you send a congratulations basket, you know, whatever. It's, it's a really important piece of this change that we are trying to undertake in this country. And um, there isn't anything else like it. Um, I also would say we just in March started um, our first cohort of training coaches in our coaching method. I just got to the point where I was like, we can't do this all. There's 4 million babies a year and all of those parents and all of those managers that need support here. So we flipped the model and our training coaches to to be mm-hmm. retained parental leave coaches. And it has been so incredibly powerful. We have everything from internal um, leave navigators for huge financial firms that everybody would know to literally doulas working in the streets of Philadelphia for homeless women. Like we have such a broad range of incredible people who are doing this. It's so fun. Awesome. Amy, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Don't forget that you can catch new episodes of this show on Mondays at noon Eastern. If you have a question about something you heard on the show, you can email me. I'm Friedman at Wharton.upenn.edu. And as uh, you know, if you've been listening this year, I'm working on this project of uh, organizing uh, songs that have to do with home. And I've been closing each show with, uh, with a selection. And the song that I chose for today, Amy chose the same one, not knowing that I was going to be choosing this one, which is kind of an amazing thing. I don't know how that happened. I guess it just, it's a song that speaks to both of us and speaks to so many parents um, and, and the importance of connecting with your, your children when they are children. It's, it's uh, Harry Chapin's Cats in the Cradle. Hope you enjoy this little snippet of it. I am Stu Friedman. You can find podcast versions of this show at TotalLeadership.org and all kinds of other resources there. Thanks to Patty Hall for making it all happen, as well as our sound engineer, Chris Tooks. 
Once again, I'm Stu Friedman. You've been listening to Work and Life on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 132. When you're coming home, that I don't know.